Welcome back to another episode of We Don't Know What to Watch, the podcast where two guys watch random movies and talk about them. With me, as always, is the unstoppable, the incredible, the Daniel the Daniel Radcliffe to my Robbie Coltrane, Kyle Mulford, and I'm Noah Saturn. How are you doing, Kyle? I am doing just uh, oh, wizardly fine. Um, <laughs> uh, today's episode uh, is brought to you by the Crithen Gifford Real Estate, because we are the Haunted Marsh of film podcasts. Haunted Marsh, indeed. <laughs> uh, I'm doing okay. Um, I think, you know... This is going to be a soft reboot of our show. We've been doing this for a couple of years, and uh, I think uh, now we're on a new platform and trying to get this out onto an actual podcasting platform instead of YouTube. So maybe a little bit about ourselves. Okay. Well, uh, how would this podcast initially start is because we used to uh, work together. We were, worked at the same place for about five years, and uh, I worked on the first floor, you worked on the second floor, and then every once in a while you'd have to come down, then we start talking about movies to the point where uh, I'd get distracted from our actual work. <laughs> exactly. I said, let's do a podcast. And uh, and then we know, actually did. And we did. <laughs> Usually we do something like that, and it's like, oh yeah, sometime we'll do that. But no, we actually we actually did this, and uh, we've been doing this for since before the pandemic. It's now 2024, and uh, and yeah, this has been going for a while. And we were on YouTube for a long time because it was a free platform. I really didn't know how to post podcasts and all that, but I'm going to try and figure it out now. So yeah, after what almost four years. Uh, yep. So uh, we got four years of practice in. Let's see if it did anything for us. I doubt it, but you know, it's still fun to do. Exactly. But so, basically uh, the, the oh, premise no, of the show is uh, obviously our title is we don't know what to watch. So what we do is we use a website called realgood.com and there is a actual movie roulette button on there that we go and at the end of each episode, we will spin that roulette and we watch whatever movie comes up for the next podcast. And in the past, we've gotten some real hidden gems, stuff I'd never heard about. But then we've also got a few stinkers here and there, which I sometimes I still think about dead time, which we got years ago. <laughs> yes, but we we did put parameters now. Uh, so we do a real good score of uh, 70 or better so that uh, maybe we don't get as quite as bad as stinkers. We've still had a couple of stinkers, but yeah, we haven't had any dead times since dead time i don't think <laughs> true and i mean there can really only be one dead time uh, yeah exactly <laughs> uh if you want to listen to that one go back to our uh, youtube page <laughs> okay so uh let's move on here to our first main segment here is uh so highlights and low lights also sometimes called what you're watching so kyle what have you been watching lately oh gosh since the last time we recorded i have watched so much but i'm just going to give a couple of things that i've uh, uh that i've checked out that I was like, oh, that is really worth noting. And uh, one of them is a 2009 film. It's a French stop motion animation film called A Town Called Panic. Have you ever heard of this one? I have heard of it. I've never seen it, but it's definitely shown up on my stuff you might like list okay. again and again. Uh, yeah, this I, I watched this on Canopy the other day. Um, that's another thing. We like to support our local libraries, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, this movie is... So basically it's a stop motion animation and they took these uh, and, and it's basically like little, uh, you know, the little figures back from the day, the plastic figures with the plastic base. And it's like a, a cowboy, an Indian and a horse that live together in a house and their names are cowboy, Indian and horse. <laughs> and uh, 
one day they wake up and they realize uh, cowboy and Indian realize, oh gosh, we forgot today is a horse's birthday. We need to order him something. And so they get online and they're like, oh, we'll get him a fire. We'll, we'll build him a fire pit barbecue. And so they go to order like 50 bricks off of bricks.com or something like that. And, and uh, the zero gets pushed down accidentally and uh, they order 50 million bricks and comedy ensues. And I don't really want to say what else happens in this movie because it is, it's so bizarre that like, I don't need, you couldn't even anticipate what was going to happen in this film. And, and I really highly recommend it. It is less than an hour and a half long. It is delightfully whimsical and wacky and just, it is a lot of fun. So is it wacky in like an Ardman sort of a way or wacky in like a Leica sort of a way for going with stop motion? Uh, it's a little different than both of them, actually, like with its humor. I, I, I can't even describe the humor. It's just, I don't know. It's just, uh, bizarre and, uh, abstract and just kind of anything goes kind of stop motion. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. You just, it's, it's very, it's just very lighthearted and fun. So uh, it, it's a high recommend. You can watch it with your kids as long as your kids are okay with subtitles. My kids watched this and they, they loved it. Uh, and then uh, I'll, I'll, I think a couple others that I want to point out is uh, one that's been on my list for a long time is a 1991 film. I think it was a made for TV movie, but I'm not sure called cast a deadly spell, uh, cast a deadly spell. And it's uh, on max right now. And this is a 91 film directed by Martin Campbell starring Fred Ward as detective H Philip Lovecraft. <laughs> Uh, and he's a detective in a town. It, it's it's L.A. I think it's L.A. in 1948, and everybody's using magic. It's all the rave now, so so everybody's using. It, but he refuses to use magic, and he's a de- detective who does things the old way. And uh, and then a case comes across him uh, his his desk that uh, he has to try and stop someone from getting this giant, or he has to try and get this book. And then it turns out this book is going to be used to summon the old gods and. <laughs> It's it's also got Clancy Brown in it and uh, Julianne Moore and like I said, directed by Martin Campbell. And I've had this on my list to watch for so long and just haven't really gotten around to it. I was like, this was a delight. I really enjoyed this this movie. Uh, another high recommend. Sounds fascinating. I'm, because it's a TV movie, I'm sure it's not as graphic as something like Reanimator or From Beyond. No, there's there's nothing graphic about it. It's it's kind of a fun noir with a magic twist and like with creatures in it and stuff. So it, it's it's played out like a noir more than a horror movie. So it, it's it is a lot of fun. And if it sounds up your alley, then I would really check it out. And then the last thing I want to uh, um, go over is another one that I actually recommend that is from 2023. So it's a it's a new movie and it's on Amazon Prime. And I had never heard of this until I saw someone on TikTok talking about it uh, being a, a, you know, kind of a hidden gem of 2023. It's called Polite Society. And this is have you heard of this one? I think I remember seeing a trailer for it a long time ago. It looked like a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, this is about two Indian sisters and one of them wants to be a uh, stunt woman. And um, she knows her sister's dream is to be an artist, but then her uh, her sister ends up getting like arranged with a marriage and she starts dating this guy. And then like the sister's like, oh, no, you can't date this guy. And it's another one I don't want to spoil because this just goes into a place where I'm like, oh, OK, that took a turn that I wasn't expecting because uh, you I, I don't know. I. I don't want to give too much away, but this was this was fun throughout the whole movie, and the two sisters were really great in it. The main, I I wish I could remember the names of the actresses um, 
to give them their due, but uh, the main actress who played the younger sister was a lot of fun. And, and this was actually kind of, this was kind of a hidden gem of 2023 for me. I, I really enjoyed this one. Nice. And that's streaming on Amazon prime. I think I said, uh, those are, those are just a few things I've been watching lately that I really wanted to recommend out there. Okay. Uh, what about you? What have you been watching? Well, probably nowhere near as many as movies as you have. Cause I do other things sometimes like read books or play video games, but <laughs> anyway, so I have a couple here. I'll just go through the ones that I happen to see two in theater. Uh, first one I saw was Migration. It's from Illumination Animation Team, you know, the Despicable Me people. Oh, okay. I've and seen then, the trailer for this one. Yeah, it's about a family of ducks that decides to migrate south for the first time after a dad who was really scared of migrating south. And then they get on wacky adventures. So it almost kind of reminds me structurally of like a vacation movie or any sort of road trip movie, except this time, you know, they're birds. Okay. Was, was this, was this good? Cause I mean, sometimes the, that illumination stuff, it is really hit and miss. Um, it wasn't as good as stuff like I wanted it to be like, it was okay. Ultimately, I was hoping it would just be like so weird and wacky. It'd have to be really fun or if it was kind of heartfelt. So there was some kind of goofier elements that I like. There is this recurring villain who's like the chef. And then he gets on their bad side because they free his pet like, uh, not peacock, but his pet like a parrot who's from Jamaica. So that way they can, so that way he can lead them to Jamaica. So then they escape from the chef, but then he just keeps coming back and coming back after all these ducks in a very cartoonish villain sort of way. I mean... He is just like the ultimate bad guy chef. He's got like a leather jacket with a tiger on it. He's got tattoos all over the place. He carries knives with him at all times. <laughs> all right. And chasing ducks, huh? Yeah, as you know, because apparently he must be really, really into whatever to roast duck. I guess that must be a specialty or something. Well, that sounds horrifying. Yeah, so um, <laughs> it's, it's very cartoony. Overall, pretty cute. Not, I wouldn't... Uh, I watched it in theaters because we needed to go see a movie with an eight-year-old, and he seemed I'm, I'm to sure, like it. I'm sure that was fine for him. Ultimately, or, it was pretty her. forgettable for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> that that tends to be the case with a lot of Illumination films. Like I, They can be enjoyable, but like ultimately forgettable. Uh, one that I really liked that I also saw in theaters was The Color Purple, and that came out on Christmas Day in theaters. And so this one was a musical version or a musical adaptation of the book, The Color Purple, which was previously made into a film and with Steven Spielberg starring Whoopi Goldberg, Oprah Winfrey, and uh, Danny Glover. So now this one swaps it out with uh, Fantasia, Daniel Brooks, and then I believe, and a lot of other, and I believe uh, Coleman Domingo was sort of the main, I guess not necessarily villain, but one of the main antagonists. So the basic is about this woman named Celie growing up in Georgia in the early 1900s. And uh, early on, she has two kids by the time she's like 13 or 14. And then she gets married off to an abusive man. It's about how she sort of struggles and eventually works past that and sort of achieves some sort of happiness and independence. So it's And so this is a tough sit because this woman deals with a lot of misogyny, a lot of racism. It can be very uncomfortable at times, but also the music is what was the real highlight for me. It's very much a gospel-inspired soundtrack. It was on Broadway initially in 2005, and it's gorgeous music, wonderful songs. All the songs are really good. And uh, a special shout out to Taraji P. Henson as a character, Shug Avery, who's kind of like a showgirl song 
songstress who comes in and out of the narrative a few times. And she was always an absolute delight when she just lights up the screen and every time she sings. It is a tough sit, but also like a lot of movies that can be tough sits at the beginning. By the time you get to the resolution and you get to that happy ending, it can be extremely rewarding. So highly recommended The Color Purple, a great musical adaptation of an already pretty good movie. And I'm sure the Broadway musical I haven't seen, but I've heard amazing things about that as well. Okay, yeah, uh, confession time. I still haven't seen the original Color Purple, uh, so I really need to get on that and this, it sounds like. It's so one that's... Of those, the original is good because you remember that, wow, Whoopi Goldberg is a really good dramatic actor. You forget about that. And then you also forget that uh, Oprah is a pretty solid dramatic actor in her own right. Yeah, I, I, I've i had that on my to watch list because I remember that from when I was a kid when that came out. Um, and I just have never gotten around to see that movie. So because I think what was the original one was like 1986 or something like that. 85, 86, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so so I've been meaning to get around to that. So now it sounds like this one's pretty good too. So I might have to check out both of them at some point soon in the future here. So so those are my two highlights. And now we'll transition to our next segment, which is kind of the main segment. So Kyle, can you tell us what were we supposed to watch for this week? Okay, so the last time we did a show for the YouTube channel, which I don't even know if we'll end up going up because we're just kind of rebooting this, we still rolled and we got the movie uh, The Woman in Black from 2012, directed by James Watkins and starring uh, Harry Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe. So do you have any previous experience with this movie going into it ahead of time? or I have no experience with this. Apparently this was a book uh, written by Susan Hill in like the early 80s. And then it was actually adapted into a TV movie in 1989 also. So I didn't know anything about this other than it came out and it looked interesting, and but I never got around to watching it. Um, I, I think it... It didn't get like huge, great reviews. I think it was like, it's, I think it's still like 66% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so I just, just kind of sat on my back burner forever, but it's, it's been on my to watch list. Yeah. So uh, I originally, I watched this film in theaters because it was like, oh, hey, it's Harry Potter, but he's doing a scary movie. I'll watch that. It was one of his first post Harry Potter roles in film. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. And that's one thing I will say is that since this, I've watched most of Daniel Radcliffe's movies because he picks really interesting things. Yeah, I love about him is that he's in a position where he's financially secure enough where he can do weird stuff. Yeah, and he's had some really good roles that have gone under the radar that I, I really think that there's a lot of a lot of stuff he's done since Harry Potter that should be checked out. Like Swiss Army Man. Uh, yes. And uh, what was that one? Uh, I really enjoyed. I don't think it got great reviews, but I really enjoyed Guns Akimbo. <laughs> I, I never saw it. I, I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then so I've I saw the movie in theaters. I also read the book and then I even uh, saw the play because this was turned into a long running play on the West End. Yeah, I thought I read that somewhere. Now, without getting into spoilers, but that is one thing we should warn people is we do get into spoilers on this podcast. If we get into major spoilers, we'll kind of say we're going to get into them. But like just a general, we talk about the whole movie when we when we watch these. Um, so but did I read that this deviates a little bit from the book then? This does deviate from the book and uh, deviate from the play and a little bit to my knowledge. It's been a long time since I read the book. I haven't read it since like 2012. So I could be wrong in some of my details here, but the basis is the same. Uh, so 
Daniel Radcliffe plays a young uh, lawyer slash real estate agent named Arthur Kipps, who is assigned to go out to this spooky, spooky house in the middle of nowhere called the Eel Marsh House because the old lady who owned it died and he has to go through the papers to figure out how we can actually sell it, make sure without breaking any laws with her last will and testament. You know, pretty boring setup. Yeah. Well, and, and this movie starts out right, right away kind of creepy because you have these three little girls playing tea party in this attic bedroom. And then all of a sudden they, they look up and you see them looking at something, but you don't see what it is. And they just drop all their toys. All three of them stand up and walk dead-eyed, staring straight ahead to the window. And they're just walking over their toys, breaking their teacups, stepping on their dolls' heads. And they walk up to the window and jump out. And these three little girls commit suicide. That's how the movie opens. And then, go, then goes to credits. Yep, the end. <laughs> so, so, no, so, so, yeah, it definitely plays a bit more with the, I guess, basic idea of the curse that's involved in this story because there's a lot bigger cast in the movie than there was for the book and especially for the play because the play's structure is interesting same basic story except how it works is that the play it's actually just two characters the whole time there's just arthur kipps who's an older man and he sort of he wrote down his story of, ex- of his experience in eel marsh house and then he hired an actor to help him improve it so essentially you're watching arthur kipps and this actor who's never named who just in the script is just referred to as the actor and then they go through this whole story with uh, arthur kipps playing all the side characters and then the actor playing the young Arthur Kipps. Oh, okay. So so they don't even show anybody else on stage? It's just those two people the whole time? It is just those two people the whole time, with a few how, exceptions. How do they how do they act out then any of the stuff that happens around him? So they make it a lot smaller because so if essentially if Arthur isn't there to witness it or doesn't hear about it secondhand, it doesn't show up. So there's like this opening scene, not in the play. So it's a lot smaller in that sense, but it also feels a bit more intimate since it is just these two guys. And the way I saw it, it was presented in a black box theater format, which I thought was perfect for it because you were literally like feet away from the action. So when something scary happened, it felt like it actually was happening in your face. Oh, did this happen in the local theater? I think I remember that. Yes, this was a local theater production I thought was excellent. So (laughs) the only thing I've seen in that black box in that theater is a a burlesque show. So... (laughs) interesting so you know which was a lot of fun (laughs) but a little different Mm -hmm. the woman in black burlesque i'd watch yes uh yeah so so going off of that then uh do they also go into it during the credits we see like flashes of a wedding dress and all this stuff it turns out to be his wife and then before he gets on the train to go to eel marsh um or the town is crithen gifford or something like that you see a flashback he's got a a young son and a nanny and he's gonna leave and he's leaving the kid with the nanny and they're gonna come meet him on friday and then you see a flashback while he's on the train of his wife dying giving birth to his four-year-old son so she died four years earlier and and uh, that kind of it kind of plays in this movie, but like not again till the end, really. Yep. So let's kind of move on to the meat of the story. He goes to this town, meets a guy on the train who's from there, gives him a ride. And he's just like, oh, you don't want to go to the Eel Mouse Harsh. Very much sort of like the uh, 
you don't want to go to Camp Blood or whatever, you know. <laughs> You'll be doomed. <laughs> exactly. No one is like, no one goes to this house. Anyone who sees this house, yada, yada, dies. So the specifics of it is that if you see this mysterious ghost, a woman who's wearing all black like she's in morning clothes, and this takes place in the early 1900s, uh, then you know that a child will die soon. But the way they play out this movie, though, you don't necessarily know that because they really don't. He goes into this town and everybody like is like, get out of here or just staring at him, glaring at him. And then some people are like, nope, the inn is full. You can't stay here. And and one woman lets him stay up in the attic. And it turns out to be the attic where those three girls committed suicide, actually. But he doesn't know that. Um, but you never get until halfway through the movie that there's even a correlation, like what the correlation is and, and what they believe is happening and what actually is happening. Cause you're just like, why do you keep telling him to leave? You just keep, and, th- and then he comes back and they're like, Oh, you saw her. And then, uh, so like, I was like, what are you, what are you getting at? Like what, what, what is happening here? But it kind of plays out like a mystery because he's trying, he's trying to figure out like once he goes back to the house, okay, what exactly is going on here? Yeah. And the, uh, the play does something similar with that kind of a bit more mystery. I mean, I knew what was going on because I'd seen the movie and read the book, but you know. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and eventually you finally, when you, when you see the first, after the triplets die at the beginning, when you see the first other kid die, you're like, oh, okay. There's something about like these kids die, but it's, it's so weird because it's like they die because someone saw the the ghost (laughs) and then all of a sudden the kid dies. (laughs) Yeah, it, it, it comes into the police station and uh, he's there reporting to the constable that he saw someone out at the marsh. And he's like, "Nah, you didn't see anybody. And blah, 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 blah. And he goes back and then three kids come in and, and then it's like, oh, what's wrong? She drank some lye. And then all of a sudden she just throws up blood and dies in his arms. <laughs> it's just kind of uh, abrupt there. <laughs> Seems a bit dramatic, if you ask me. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, then it's kind of like, oh, crap, what's going on? This is the point where I'd be like, oh, screw this job. <laughs> I'm going I'm home. I'm out of here. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Even if I didn't believe that kind of stuff, I'd be like, ah, nope, nope, peace, I'm out. <laughs> There's something in the water here that's just not right. Yeah. And my question also is, he's going there like as a lawyer to look for any papers to make sure that they have the most updated will, like she hasn't written anything that may be out at the house. I'm going, does that mean that she died recently? Because this house looks like it's been abandoned for like 20 years. You know, maybe it's like a, just, you know how, I mean, there's sometimes when you, there's, I guess the idea is someone who did have wealth in the past, but no longer has wealth. So all they have left is this big house that's slowly falling apart. That's kind of the vibe I got from it. That could be. Cause yeah, I was like, this house is like all cobwebby and broken down and everything's like, you know, dusted over. I'm like, how long ago did this woman die that you're finally just getting around to this house? Or maybe she just let it go to shambles because she was a widow out there. Uh, but yeah, he he goes back and he's he's like, nope, I'm bound to do this job. And he's doing it for his son because everybody's like, if you love your son, get out of this town. He's going, I'm here because I love my son. Because I uh, need it, the money. Yeah, it, it implies that basically his job hinges on him coming out and doing this job. So that's the only re- that's the reason he's sticking with it. But he goes back out there again and uh, the... The person who kind of is very friendly to him in town is played by Kieran Hines. And uh, 
he had a son who passed away, but he doesn't believe the stuff that's going on. He just thinks it was an accident. And and uh, so he's like, I don't listen to these town folk. This is just a bunch of hooey. But uh, still be cautious out there. And also, if you're going to go out to the house, at least take a dog. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, is like this house also is like out in the marsh. So like the tide comes over and you get stuck out there like it's an island uh, until the tide goes back down. I'm like, boy, that's a place I don't want to live. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> There's a cemetery on the lot and <laughs> and a marsh where you can accidentally drown in there. And uh, and yeah, as he's going through the, the house, so it all kind of unfolds because he starts seeing uh, images of dead kids and the black, wo- the woman in black in there and then kind of puts the pieces together because doors open and this happens and he follows them. Instead of running out of the house screaming like I would be, he... <laughs> He follows all these clues and and puts together through letters that, oh, the people that own this house, the woman took her sister's son away and like declared the other woman mad. And uh, and then she was so angry. The the woman who got her kid taken away was so angry at her sister and her husband that uh, um, that she took her kid away. And then the kid dies in the marsh and no one recovers the body. And, and she's super upset that she didn't get a burial. And they didn't even bother to give him a proper burial. And so she's now the woman in black because she came back after death to just, uh, you took my kid away. I'm going to take everybody else's kid away. Yep. So, you know, an elephant never forgets and never forgives. Yeah. So, so he kind of puts that together and, and this, and obviously that's a little bit of a spoiler. We're going to get spoiler heavy now because we're getting towards the end of the movie because he, he goes and he figures all that, that out. And this is what I kind of liked about the movie The definitely going into spoilers here is the end of the movie is he does the whole thing where, okay, I think I know how to get rid of this ghost because she's upset that her son didn't get a proper burial. So he goes and finds where the kid drowned in a stagecoach or something like that and has Kieran Hines help him pull the body out because he's got to go under the this uh, boggy mod- water where he could end up drowning himself. So he ties himself to a rope and they pull the car out, the cart out of there and he gets the body washed up and he um, reintroduces the dead boy to the ghost, uh, the ghost mother and... <laughs> And I love it because it's like, okay, she's got her son back and now we can give him a proper burial. And they actually bury him in her casket. And you're going, okay, this is going to play out like one of those typical, oh, now she's been appeased, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and and, uh, and we get to the end of the movie where this his son comes and he goes and meets him at the train. And he's like, I'm out of here. Let's, let's go. We're not even coming back in here. I'm just going to meet you at the train station. We're going to get on a train to go right back out. And, and then all of a sudden you see his son staring at something. And this is something that happens through the movie is these kids see the ghost and then they just go blank faced and kill themselves. And this kid goes out on the train tracks and Daniel Radcliffe or Kipps runs out tries to save his son and you think, oh, okay, maybe that was just a final scare. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, he's, he's now sees his, him and his son now see his, his deceased wife and walk off into the afterlife. I was like, what, what just happened? Yeah. So the there, play- there was nothing resolved and I'm actually here for it. I actually liked this ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's closer to something like, uh, Something like the grudge or maybe a ring, the ring or Ringo. In that case, like it's less of a uh, how do we stop the how do we you know clear the house and save everyone? It's more like if you get cursed, you're doomed. 
Yeah. And I like when he finally like uh, um, he did the whole thing like, oh, clean up the body, introduce the ghost to the body, bury the boy with his mother. And then he goes to the train and then it shows back at the house. You just hear like this, this whispering voice. I will never forgive you. Never forgive. Never forgive. And and then all of a sudden him and his boy die. And it's like, oh, no, this is a ghost that's never going away. Like, it's just like, guys, just steer clear of this house. It's it's vengeful for life. Yeah, it's, it's It needs to be. And the Ghostbusters need to go clean that one up. Yeah, that you you need more than just, uh, uh, you know, oh, here's your son. Because <laughs> uh, she's like Luigi nope. and his vacuum. Oh, yes. <laughs> But but like I said, I I was really here for the ending. I that kind of put the the final punch to it that I was like, okay, I kind of dug that. That was that was a that was a good ending, even though it was a sad ending. It was it was tragic, but also at least you saw them go off with his wife and like get to get to be a family again in the in the afterlife. So I mean, they tried to make it as happy as it can when you consider the main protagonist was killed off at the end. Yep. So the play has a very different ending because Arthur Kipps in the play is an old man with telling his story with the help of an actor. So the actor goes through the basic plot is the same. He discovers what's going on with the curse, does his best to try and break the curse or at least escape. He gets home and then like a month or so later, he sees the woman in black again while like his while his wife and like his child are on some sort of ride there's an accident they both die and now he's an old man sad all by himself and then throughout the play you see the woman in black show up here and there like she walks across the background she shows up at one point she came up behind the seats that was kind of fun because this was a black box oh nice style play and then and then so then sort of like okay and then of course because the first act is like, okay, it goes through most of it. Then at the act break is like, okay, we're going to take a break and then we'll do the second half of your story tomorrow. And then he says like, I'll have a, and then the Arthur, old man Arthur says, I'll have a surprise for you. So then, you know, they come, second act comes through, they go through the scary part, blah, blah, blah. At one point the lights turn off and all Arthur has is like a flashlight or something. Then like he turns on his flashlight and the woman in black is right in front of him. That was a lot of fun. Good moments there. So then at the end of it, he says like, okay, it's like, that was amazing. Who was she? She was a great actress to help with this production. I think it'll really help with the story. And then he goes, what act? And then old man Arthur says, what actress? My The surprise was is that I... The surprise was, was that I, uh, I memorized my lines and then you realize like, oh crap, the woman in black is real. And now the actor has seen it. And now he's worried that his kid is going to die. Oh, that's how the play ends. Huh? Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. That would be an interesting play to see. Yep. A lot of great sound design since it is mostly, since it is such a small cast, it's definitely reliant on the performances, the sound design and the set. And even with the, uh, black box setting even the set dressing was pretty minimal for the most part so it really does rely heavily on the lighting as well as the the acting and the sound design so all great stuff okay well speaking of that let's go into a, a couple other things that uh, about this movie is um well first of all this is a hammer film uh which uh, well, that's one of the um, companies that uh, did this film, you know, a couple of production companies, but but it was a Hammer film. It was kind of nice to see that name back. Um, it came back in the 2000 aughts, I think. 
after being uh, kind of gone for a long time because Hammer was a, a big horror uh, producer or producer for in like the 50s, 60s into the 70s, I believe. And this movie, the direction, I really enjoyed the direction of this. It, it felt very old school gothic film and the pacing and the direction and just like the lighting. And, and then I also actually liked because it was so eerie, I liked all of the little cameos of the woman in black just kind of showing up in the background. It just kind of gave it an eerie feel instead of, you know, your typical jump scare, which is how it would tor- normally play. A few of them played like jump scares, like your, your, you know, modern jump scares, but a lot of them just kind of played as, oh crap, that's kind of freaky back there. And, and because the movie kind of moved at just like kind of a deliberate pace, and I kind of liked that. Yeah, I was surprised he didn't actually get to the actual house till about halfway through the movie. It was 45 minutes in before he steps foot in the house, which was I thought was a bit surprising because this movie is only 90 minutes. Yeah, I was I was actually kind of surprised by that, too, because I because I'm watching it going. I, I thought the same thing while I was watching. I'm going, this is only 90 minutes, right? Like and and it even though it moves at kind of a slow, deliberate pace, it, it's slow and not slow at the same time. You know, it's one of those that it's like kind of if. I, I don't know. I I didn't feel like it dragged, but it did move at just this casual pace. And but I think one thing that helped it a lot is uh, the uh, the score by Marco Beltrami. Um, I don't know what else he has scored. I didn't look that up, but I really enjoyed the score for this film too. Yeah, it's solid music. Um, I remember enjoying it when I first saw it, but I didn't think I enjoyed it as much this time around but i think the biggest reason is because my expectations were changed because of how much i enjoyed the play version of this story oh okay yeah see i had nothing going in the book the play nothing so this was just a blind watch for me and and it worked for me for the most part yeah as a movie it works pretty it works just fine but i think as a play i just like the choices that were made in that medium instead of this more traditional film version. So I think, you know, it's not really necessarily a knock against the movie itself. It's just I was kind of, you know, comparing one version to the other. And I think, at least in my brain, I like the play version much more than I enjoyed how this was story was told this time around. But also, I do understand, you know, it's a different medium, a different storytelling medium. You know, it's the same story, but it feels different in a book, in a play, or in a movie. And I thought the way that this movie approached the subject matter was fine. Did a pretty good job. I think it's a good ending. It's a good, I did remember the ending. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm not saying this is a fantastic movie. I'm just saying the things that worked did work well. Yeah, um, it's the not score, a bad... being, score being one of them. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe coming off of Harry Potter. I he's so good in this. I, I really liked him in this. Um, he 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 played the part well, and uh, he went on to do, like I said before, he went on to do a lot of really interesting roles. So, like I I like what he's doing. And, uh, I don't know, let's, why don't we go into, uh, so the next thing we do after this section is go into whether we recommend this movie or not. So what about you? Um, yeah, I think I would recommend this movie. I think it's sort of like a good middle ground between like children's horror, like Coraline 
and then like the bit more adult stuff dealing with very similar subject matter like Crimson Peak, I think was the one that really came to mind, which deals with a lot of the same themes. And, you know, it's a, another ghost story, but that one does it in a, in a different way. And that one is definitely a, a bit of a harder R, if I remember correctly. Well, this is a sort of a middle ground PG-13, which I think has its place. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. So I'm also going to give it a little bit of a recommend. Um, overall, I would say that uh, this is one of those really great uh, late night Friday, like uh, just kind of chill and watch this movie at like you know 11 or 12 o'clock and and a nice fun old school gothic horror movie uh there's there's some things they play a little safe here but i do like i said i liked the ending and i liked the acting i liked the atmosphere and the score and um i'd give this a solid uh i'm going to six and a half out of ten dead kids <laughs> horrible scale <laughs> Also, what's half a dead kid? Are like they paralyzed or like they're, <laughs> they're just dead from the waist down? I guess. I yeah, guess paralyzed. so. Yeah. Oh, that's um, terrible. <laughs> Not a good scale. Not a good scale, but it's funny nonetheless. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So let's recommend. Um, and then uh, you know we're gonna keep our next section too. Uh, after our recommendation, we go into what we would pair it with, or if we didn't, in this case, what we would pair it with, a good double feature, and or if we didn't like it, what we would watch instead. So why don't you go first on that? Um, speaking with gothic horror, I have two choices. I did mention Crimson Peak already. So I'd, I'd either pair this one with Crimson Peak, or if we're going to go back to uh, Hammer Horror, just from the more gothic stylization while still being in color, I'd recommend this one with the first Christopher Lee Dracula film, which I believe was Horror of Dracula. Okay, so I should have went first because you stole mine entirely, and that is because I have not watched as much Hammer Horror as I would like to, but I have seen House of uh, uh, Horror of Dracula with Christopher Lee, and I think Peter Cushing is in that also, um, and I really enjoy that version of Dracula, and that's a good gothic horror too, and I think that that would be a solid, because uh, this one really, some parts of this feel modern, but some parts feel like a throwback gothic horror, and I think that would be a really great double feature. One thing I do miss that I think that Horror of Dracula and Crimson Peak do pretty well is that they have more color, just more color cinematography and the use of color I thought was more interesting in those films than in this one because this one is like everything is gray. It's either gray and then the woman in black is in black. It's very muted. And I thought maybe that would have maybe improved it for me as I can see why they went with that gray washed out look. But like if they kept everything a bit more colorful, so that way when the woman in black does show up, she sticks out and it makes it even sort of the contrast could really help heighten the weirdness of it. Yeah, and I agree with that because that is something that you see, especially back in like the uh, 50s, 60s. They really popped that color even in horror films because it doesn't have to be drab and gray like you said to be a good gothic horror. Like it doesn't have to be dull, you know, with the colors. So I, I agree with that. That 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 is a good uh, observation that they could have popped a little more color in here. I agree. And then maybe even just most of the stuff out of the house and in the marsh really go into that. But then when he goes into town, pop the colors out more. Exactly. To get to give that huge contrast. So that would help, especially like then say like sort of the final scene with his little boy. Like if you start doing like you see the woman in black or whatever, then the color drains away. Yeah, that, that, that would that'd be great. Yeah. 
that'd be would be a cool effect. That's how I would do it. But you know, but we're not filmmakers. We're just we're uh, not we just filmmakers. We're just fans. Yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we we don't know. We're just here to talk about it. <laughs> exactly. We didn't do the work. No, we're just here to enjoy it and uh, put in our two cents. But that being said, uh, why don't we move on to the final segment of the show and see what we're going to be watching for our next episode? Sure. What will we next watch the next thing? And uh, what do we, we don't know what to watch 2.0, the soft reboot, the sequel, the quickening, Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> uh, the Electric Boogaloo. Of course. Uh, okay. We're going a score of 70 or better and we'll spin the wheel. All genres. All right. So we've got Liza dreams of a better life for herself and her daughter. Hired to work for a bankrupt pharmaceutical company, Liza skyrockets with sales and into the high life, putting her in the middle of a federal criminal conspiracy. Uh, I'm going to say uh, being John Malkovich. He's got range. <laughs> I bet he could play all the roles. Uh, no, this is actually we're going to get a new mil, uh, new film here. Um, Pain Hustlers from 2023. This is streaming on Netflix and it is... Starring Emily Blunt and Chris Evans and Catherine O'Hara, uh, Andy Garcia, Jay Duplass, wow, and uh, Brian Darcy James. I think he was uh, uh, Shrek in the stage version. He was the stage version of Shrek. I hope he uses the Shrek voice when he's trying to sell drugs. Uh, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've seen trailers for this. It looks inter- interesting. So, uh, yeah, that's the other thing about this show we'll, uh, we'll also like to point out is that because we're using the randomizer on this website, all of these are streaming on a service. So uh, if you want to follow along, we're not watching any movies that you don't have access to if you've got most of this recording. Occasionally they come off and yeah, just like anything else, it can leave the streaming service. But as of the recording and usually by the time we post it, if if I uh, continue to post on time uh, with this new reboot, uh, then it should be on a streaming service so that you can uh, follow, play along with us and watch the movie and then listen to our podcast or vice versa. Listen to the podcast and then watch the movie if it sounds interesting. And so uh, this Pain Hustlers is on Netflix. And might as well mention that as of this recording, the uh, the Woman in Black was streaming on Prime and I think it was one other. Paramount Plus maybe? Yeah, one of the two if I remember correctly. So, uh, yeah. So it's uh, uh these these movies will be streaming as of the recordings. And uh then uh until then you can find us online, listen to our podcast. Uh we're just starting out on a podcasting service, so we'll see what how this goes. I don't know. Do you give thumbs up there? Do you give comments? I don't know. Uh uh we'll figure it out. Um you can find us on Twitter at awesomekm. And I'm at Noah underscore Saturn. That is spelled S-A-T-E-R-N. And we're on Instagram at We Don't Know What to Watch. And you can email us at uh, We Don't Know What to Watch at gmail.com. And so uh, until next time, don't go into the Boggy Marsh haunted house. Seriously, dude. And uh, just watch after your kids, for goodness sake. This is about it's, neglectful parenting. It's a train station. Oh Did you goodness. not feel him leave your hand and go over to the train tracks? Anyway, be safe around trains. <laughs>